0: Well, welcome, Crosswalk. Happy Sabbath, and it's good to be with you here again. Patty did such an amazing job last week. Thank you, Pastor Patty, for everything that you're doing for our Crosswalk Portland campus. And I know you guys are having an event today, so I hope it's a blessed thing. I hope you guys are having a great time. I hope it's not raining, Um, but it's Portland, so who knows? It probably is. This week, we are starting a new series. And this is a big one. It's 12 weeks. We're talking about 12 weeks on what it means to have this name Christian, if we are worthy of this name, and what it means to live as followers of Christ. Now, you may ask yourself this question. You may say, is this too elementary? Perhaps. But with what I have seen in the last year, both good and bad, I think there is more that we can learn about all of this. So I would argue that it's elemental, but not elementary. The truth is, what we are doing is looking at the elemental reasons that we are Christians. It's elemental, not elementary, and there's a difference. Because we have to ask ourselves three different questions. The first one is this, what are the basic premises of christianity right what are the basic assumptions and assertions that christianity makes And when i say christianity what i mean is jesus i mean that jesus said certain things meant certain things did certain things and because of that there are some premises of christianity that we need to take into account what are the elemental ideas and values of the earliest christians and of jesus how were they expressed and when did we learn them Second question we got to ask ourselves is, do these things still hold true? Has anything changed over the years in regards to these things? While terms perhaps have changed, what hasn't changed about these messages and values, and how do we lean into them again today, 2,000 years later from when they were first established? And thirdly, are we living up to them? It's simple. Do the values hold true, but are we living up to them? How do they look today? Are we, if we call ourselves Christians, still living these ideals and elemental impulses, are we really worthy of the title Christian? Or by taking that label, are we doing damage to the image of God in the world? This is a big question. Because that is really taking the Lord's name in vain. Remember that unforgivable sin you used to be so scared of when you were little? We thought it was just using his name as an oath, but the truth is, claiming Christianity when we are nothing of the sort, it does much more damage to the name of God in the world than anything else. If I were to put it in modern or perhaps contemporary vernacular, I would ask you this, are we good brand ambassadors? And I know you may think, well, what do you mean brand ambassador? Well, if you've ever wondered why all the Crosswalk t-shirts and mugs and bumper stickers, it's because we understand that you all, as soon as you identify, you put that bumper sticker in your car, you become a brand ambassador. So how you drive makes a difference to the name of Crosswalk in the world. Well, what about the term Christian? Listen, what makes a good brand ambassador? I did a little research because I thought it was important to know because all major brands have brand ambassadors, not just people who endorse the brand or that the brand endorses. So I'm thinking of Michael Jordan and Nike, right? That's a, that's a super easy one. But they're brand ambassadors, people who actually you know, take on a brand and then advocate for it. What? There's a few things that makes them a good brand ambassador. They, they become trusted agents of the brand, Right? When people see the brand, they begin to identify the brand with that person. They're faithful to the brand because they have a long-term relationship with the brand. But because they love the brand, they want to perform well for the brand. They talk about the brand all the time. They, they, you, know, you know those people who, who just love something so much, they're like, hey, have you eaten at this new restaurant? It's amazing. And you're like, are you getting paid by the chef? No, I just love it. It's so good. I want to make sure that it stays open. And, and lastly, a good brand ambassador loves to help others, whether it's to discover the brand or it's just to help others in general. But see, before we get into whether or not we're good brand ambassadors or not, you have to ask yourself one question first. And this is the question that I come back to, and I come back to, and I come back to, and I've preached on it before in our community, and I will preach on it again, I guarantee you, because it's a question that we can't deny. It is really important, and it is a starting place. It is the beginning for us to engage in this conversation of what is a Christian, and whether or not we are worthy of the title and of the brand. And, and I know what you're thinking. Listen, you know, we've got, this, we've got this kind of iconic, if you will, looking sort of graphic for this series, and it's the word Christian with a question mark saying, reimagining it all. And I know you might think, like, what's he doing? Is he trying to tear down our faith? Is he trying to do something with this? Like, it, this looks dangerous. There, he's even using iconography that looks a little bit different than what we normally have. Everybody relax a little bit. Because yeah, we are gonna take on the pillars of what you believe to be Christianity, but we're not gonna take it on in order to tear them down. We're gonna take them on in order to find out if we are worthy, if we are keeping them in the way that we have. Because over the last years, last few years, I have seen things that trouble me deeply about this title, Christian. We'll get more to it over the 12 years. But I am concerned that people with that title have forgotten the major premises of the whole assertion. We've forgotten the idea of what it means to be a Christian. And so we wear that label and we wear it proudly. We don't just wear it proudly, we wear it loudly. In fact, we wear it in a way that almost begs for a fight. Is that what Jesus was about? And if it was, did we misinterpret what he was trying to do? I think we have to get back again to the elemental impulses of what it means to be a Christian what it means to be a follower of Christ and we have to begin to re-examine those foundational ideas of what it is and who he is so that when we step out into the world we do not do damage to his name so we have to ask this one question first before we begin but rather than me asking you the question, I thought I would allow Scripture to ask you the question. Now, as you know, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is this beautiful spring coming out of the water, I think I've told you all about it before. There was a, 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 big, a big temple at the place and probably where they were staying, there were these pools and they may have been swimming, having a good time, maybe having a little picnic like we do when we go there. So they're sitting on the, on the shore of this, of this lake and these seven waterfalls and they're, they're chatting and Jesus finally looks at them and he says, hey, because you know, these things happen just before I go on. These things happen in the midst of the conversations that they were having right? Matthew remembers a conversation, but I guarantee you it was a conversation in the middle of a conversation. Jesus didn't show up, ask a big question, and then leave. Chances are they were just talking about their day, talking about the things they liked, talking about how beautiful it was. And then Jesus goes, hey, who do do people say that the Son of Man is? I'm reading from Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. See, he asks this question because he understands for them to be good brand ambassadors, they have to understand the brand. You have to be clear on what it is that you represent, on what it is that you're buying into. Chances are a lot of us decided that we would buy into this concept of Christianity when we were very young and maybe didn't know some of the the elemental impulses, as we say, about Christianity. Some of us didn't know what the brand really was, but it seemed culturally culturally relevant. It seemed like everyone around us were doing it. And so we said, yeah, let's, let's jump into that. So Jesus asked this question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He wants to get a feel of the the landscape, right? He wants to understand what people are saying about him. Remember, there's no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no Instagram. You can't go and see what the comments were. He just wanted to know what they were hearing in the crowd. Well, they replied, and there's no specific person who replied here, as we see in the book of Matthew. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, Some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. It's kind of this this perfunctory answer to this question. You know, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah. You know, they're putting out some pretty big names there, but they're not not really committing to anything. This is kind of an evasive way to answer a question. Some say, it's as if parroting what others say makes you immune. You know, I've heard people say this. Hey, what do you believe? You're a Christian. You're a Seventh-day Adventist. What do you guys believe? Well, the church says that, or, or some of the fundamentals of Seventh-day Adventism, it's a fascinating way to answer a question and not take any personal responsibility for answering the question the way that you're answering it. You can give yourself just uh, one degree of separation, perhaps, so I don't have to really own the things that are being put out there. But, you know, I, I, I identify kind of with it. It's evasive. So Jesus doesn't let it go at that, because Jesus never lets it go at an evasive answer, even though Jesus was so good at evasive answers, oftentimes people didn't know what he was saying at all. So rather than stop the conversation there, because that's, that's an answer, he could simply say, well, yeah, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. They, they're missing the point a little bit, but okay, that's fine. But rather than do that, Jesus pushes just a little bit more. But who do you say that I am? And this is the whole game, right? This is it. The one question that matters. And it has to be answered. It had to be answered by those disciples, each and every one of them personally. It has to be answered by us, each and every one of us personally. If we don't answer this question, we've got a problem. You see, this is the beginning and the end. We start here and we end here. He is the object of our faith. He he is the message and the messenger. He is the full revelation of God and all that we need for salvation. Because without answering this question, if you still identify as a Christian or you still identify as a Seventh-day Adventist, you belong to a social club and you belong to a weird one. Without answering this question, you belong to a strange social club, one that sings, one that dresses up, one that does these weird rituals, one that throws people in the water and pulls them back out, but without an affirmative answer to this question, what, who do people say that I am? It is without power, and the dues are really expensive. So as Jesus pushed them, as there was probably this awkward silence amongst the disciples, and the water is trickling down, you know who jumps in. Of course, the same one who always jumps in. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Now, this is important, right? Because there was this acknowledgement of the familial relationship that Jesus has with God. And there's also a recognition that God is not dead. God is deeply alive. He is living. He is breathing. But you know what? Even this answer cannot be the right answer to the question if it's too quick, if we're not careful. You see, unlike Peter, this was a big one for Peter, but unlike Peter, our culture has told us how to answer this question. The majority of us have lived our lives of faith for most of our life within the confines of the faith, of the church, of a community that gives us ready answers. We know the answer to the question. Peter was not wrong But we can answer a question too quickly for it to really matter into our own hearts. Your life more than your words is an answer to this question. And never forget that. This is the problem. We throw out the words before they're tattooed on our hearts. They sound right. But when we go back to whatever we were doing before, our lives don't change and it can't be that way. And I don't know, it feels like somehow Jesus knew this about Simon Peter, loved his passion, but was wondering how come it came so quickly. So Jesus replied this, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Simon Peter, this is being placed in your heart. It is not a learning that you have. Have you ever tried to argue someone into the gospel? It doesn't work too well. Have you tried to love someone into the gospel? That's a whole different conversation. Simon Peter did not hear an argument and become convinced. The word was revealed to him. The answer was revealed to him by God, placed it in his heart. He did not learn it from any other human being, but it was from God. Then he says, listen, now I say to you, you're Peter which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You see, what he did right there is he made the call. He asked the question and he made the call. There was no time in between. You see, you simply cannot proclaim the name of Jesus without the call that comes along with it being together. These two things go together all the time. And I'm dead serious about this. If saying those words does not quicken the passion of your heart to serve others and to serve God, they are just words. And you know somebody who is convicted in their heart because you know someone when they accept Christ and they decide, yes, you are the son of the living God, you know that it changes everything inside of them. I had this friend, he used to live across the street from me. He had bought the house as a a flipper. Then the economy tanked and so he got a bunch of roommates and they were trying to make it through. And he was a guy who was definitely spiritual. He was interested in spiritual things and he he called me one day and he was like, hey man, you're a pastor, right? I was like, yeah. And you know, that's always a little dicey when someone starts off with, you're a pastor. It means they're either going to ask you a question you don't know or assume you know something that you don't know what they're talking about. Usually that's what it is. But he says, you're a pastor. I, I wonder if, I wonder if you'd sit with me and watch these videos with me. I was like, sure, sounds good. We sit down and he turns on the first video. He's got DVDs. It's a little while ago. No streaming at that point. He's got DVDs. He's got 35 DVDs, four hours piece. I don't even do the math on that, but I knew it was a long time and we were not going to stay at his house the whole time. So he starts it and the thing begins to run. And it's a particular teacher. Many of you probably know who it is. And it's someone who is considered very erudite, very thoughtful. The only problem is this is a person who doesn't really lean into scripture in the way that it should be used in my opinion it's someone who likes to slice and dice scripture to make it match the things that he always wants to say it's somebody who preaches fear for hours and hours every time he gets up to speak he does it so that people will be convicted in their hearts and he has these wonderful convoluted deeply disturbing if you ask me arguments there's no simple gospel but you can be sure that heaven is not within your reach by the end of one of these talks. So we listened for about 20 minutes or so. And I said, listen, man, can can you turn that off? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you're not interested in this. And I was like, no, I just, I think I know where this is going and I don't need to listen to 120 (laughs) hours of this to find out where he's going. I said, "Let, let me just ask you a question. What do you think about Jesus? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, Jesus is really interesting. But listen, you got to hear this, because he's going to connect this to the end of time and this to this, per, this event and this and this. And I said, yeah, man, I get it. But tell me what you think about Jesus. And he kind of leaned back on the couch. And he goes, well, I, I don't know if I've thought about him that much, really. And I said, Wow. Well, let's spend some time thinking about Jesus. And so we started to talk about Jesus and we picked up the book of John and we started to read the stories of Jesus. The stories of John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness, baptizing Jesus, the story of Nicodemus. He started to read these stories and man, you could see his pace begin to quicken. And after about an hour of doing this, he's like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? You've opened my eyes to something I didn't know before. And I was like, well, what's that? And he's like, I think this is all about Jesus. And I was like, yeah, man, it is. And I got to tell you, as he proclaimed the name of Jesus, the passion of his heart to serve others exploded. And this is a guy I was blessed to do ministry with for a while. And the amount of ministry he did for the kingdom of God was overwhelming. You cannot proclaim the name of Jesus without the call that comes along with it. Matthew 16, 19, it continues, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven because you see, you are now a citizen of another kingdom, one that supersedes where you pay your taxes or the flags that you have on your car. And here's the rub, right? With new membership, because it comes a new way of looking at citizenship. Did you ever get a citizenship grade when you were young? I did. I went to a Christian school, you know, and we got this citizenship grade, which was, you know, are you being honest? Are you taking care of people? Are you? And it was this really kind of cool citizenship. And I never really knew what it had to do with citizenship, as in my citizenship in America. It was a citizenship in heaven. And we were held to a certain standard that they were kind of expecting. I think when my kids went to school, it was like this peacekeepers or peacemakers thing that they would get, which was really cool. Hey, I saw you be nice to somebody. I saw you. You see, are you a good person to be around? And then you were weirdly graded on it. But it was a sense of like common decency, the common good, the ability to care for others more than yourself. These are important. And where did they come from? Well, they came from Christ. They came from this identity with this idea of Christian. This series starts with this question purposefully. Because if you can't answer this question, there's no reason to go on to the next 11 sermons. And all those study guides, they won't matter a hill of beans except for this. It starts with this question, who do you say that I am? And maybe this week don't go too much further than that. At the end of the story, you know, Jesus sternly warned his disciples, don't tell anyone that he was the Messiah. But even in those those short words right there, that short phrase, there's this assumption that this is the guy, this is the one. All of this is about him. Christian, question mark, we have to start with Christ. it will move on from there. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff over the next three months. Oh, that sounds like a really long time, doesn't it? Three months, but listen. It behooves us to not only know who it is we serve, but how we serve Him. If we do not do these things, we do damage to the name of Christ in the world, we become not only bad brand ambassadors, but we might be endorsing a brand that never existed in Jesus' thoughts, minds, heart, or in His disciples' time. This may be a hard series for many of us because we're gonna take a look at some of the assumptions that we've always made and some of the identities that we have veered into over you know, the last decade or whatever of our lives and we're gonna have to say, wow, I've gotten so far away from that idea of Christian. I don't even know if I can use that term anymore for what it is I believe and what it is I to do. It may be difficult, but we need to recapture that term and we need to recapture those elemental values and elemental impulses of what it means to be a Christian so we can get rid of that question mark and know, yes, I am someone who ascends to the fact He is the son of the living God. I'm glad you're along on this journey. Let's pray. Jesus, may we begin at the beginning with you a simple question. Who do you say that I am? When you pose this to every single one of us, We don't get to answer for anybody else. We don't get to answer for our kids or our grandkids. We don't get to answer for our wives or our husbands. We can only answer for ourselves and they have to answer for themselves as well. So Lord, may I begin this series by saying this, you are the son of the living God. Build whatever you can with me because I will follow you because I know that you are the full expression of God in the world and I see him better because I see you. I see the same thing when I look at you. So God, grant me peace, grant me wisdom, grant me courage to say what needs to be said, to hear what needs to be heard in order to realign my life with you. These things I pray in your holy name. You know it. The name of Jesus on that.